Welcome to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. I'm Josh Elledge, founder and CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We turn entrepreneurs into media celebrities, grow their authority, and help them build partnerships with top influencers. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show, where I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspiration podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. All right, and with us right now, we've got Brian Orr, a.k.a. DJ Twist, and is also, now this is crazy, like, you know, most of the times when you, ladies and gentlemen, DJ Twist, also the founder and CEO of Keaton Capital. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I haven't worked that into my onstage intros yet, but it might, I might put it in there. Who knows? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so, okay. So, obviously, the big thing, is, you know, we're going to be talking about now, um, I was uh, an amateur DJ, like I DJed for about a year of my last year in the Navy. I got to DJ every single week uh, at the officer's club. And then uh, during college, I was a pretty much just a wedding DJ. I did a few other parties, but mainly weddings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, man, it's so much fun. You know, since then, you know, I kind of got into uh, corporate life and kind of really gave that up. I DJed maybe once or twice a year, like church dances or something like that. And, uh, you know, some neighborhood parties a few times, but, oh man, I miss it. It's, it's so <laughs> much fun. Right. And, and I know, uh, that, that you've actually retired a few times. <laughs> yeah. I've given it up a few times. My DJ path is sort of interesting. I started in the nineties, um, wow. you know, on final, I learned the old school way. I learned yep. under a guy who, who never let me touch the records. Um, it was interesting. Like uh, I was basically, this is bedroom DJs that we weren't in studios or anything yet. So I would just sit in his house after school and just watch him play. And he said, you know, when you're ready, then I'll let you do it for yourself. Yeah. So, um, you know, I started carrying records for him. I would be at the clubs in the nineties. We were, I was 15. We were in the clubs and, um, you know, I was carrying records for him on Friday night, just sitting there and just worshiping his sets, extremely talented DJ. Um, we actually live in the same city again. Now his name is Tommy Tom, uh, DJ Tommy Tom, number one influence for me directly from DJ. Um, I DJ through college and you know, when I graduated college, it was the time for me to grow up. And I needed to leave the DJ world behind me because I needed to enter the corporate world and so on. So I stopped DJing. No more nightclubs. Um, Very few, if any, I did some mobile stuff. Like you mentioned, weddings. I was back in New York. So there's christenings. There's there's Sweet Sixteens. There's a thousand different events to DJ at in New York, um, you know, all the time. So I slowly remained... uh, DJing throughout the years, but I essentially, it was a weekend thing. I I retired. I was working nine to five and come around the time, 2006, 2007, I had just gotten out of a long-term relationship Mm -hmm. and my buddy invited me out to the city and he said, you know, come on, hang out. We've been missing you. You know, you've been in in the house for so long, you know? (laughs) Um, And I went back out and I discovered for the first time the technology that now exists behind DJing. It was uh, another good oh, yeah. friend, incredible inspiration for me named DJ Scissorhands, who was DJing at this club in the city and he had his computer there up in front of him. He still had turntables, but he had his computer up in front of him and he didn't have any records behind him. And I was like, 
what is going on? What are, what are you doing? He's like, it's crazy. You just, the, the computer hosts all the music now and it ah. runs as an interface, like dig, it sends a digital signal to this coded vinyl and you can control the record, but you don't have to carry records anymore. I was like, well, that sounds tempting. So I discovered uh, the program software program called Serato at that time mm. and uh, got back into DJing and started DJing again for a few years. And I think sometime in the mm, early 2010s or so, I, I took another hiatus for uh, personal reasons. Mm-hmm. And then in 2017, I made the big official retirement, which lasted about 18 months because now I'm back DJing again. Um, so yeah, I just can't stay away. <laughs> so where did, uh, so where did Keaton Capital come about? So Keaton Capital is a real estate investment company. I started investing in real estate about four years ago, mm-hmm. uh, mostly through single family real estates. I was living in Vegas. My girlfriend was living in Charlotte where I am now. And my mother is in Charlotte and I would be coming back and forth to Charlotte and um, spending time with her, who's now my wife. Um, In that time, basically staying at mom's house, mom was an HGTV junkie. And just like most of us over the past five to seven years that got involved in real estate, it was through some HGTV inspiration. So we bought our first house, my mother and I as partners and flipped our first property. I forget what year it was. Oh my gosh. And then went for about the next three or four years in single family. It was Keaton Capital is all of about four months old. Um, I discovered the benefits of multifamily real estate through just extensive research and learning and training and seminars and YouTube and conferences and everything and decided that multifamily real estate was the way to go. So I was in contract for a 10 unit property Uh, that was still partnership with my mother and I and decided that it was time to um, explore the opportunity of syndication, multifamily real estate, bringing in other partners to leverage bigger deals. Yeah. And Keaton Capital was born. Wow. So today, uh, you know, as with, you know, every guest on um, the Thoughtful Entrepreneur, you're doing good business, right? (laughs) Talk Uh, talk about kind of the success that you've been able to create. Yeah. So, um, I, I have the dual streams of incomes right now. So I still have right. the twist life and DJ twist and I'm still fairly successful. Um, although I have peeled back a little bit from mm-hmm. my touring the world kind of days. Um, and with the, with the real estate business we're we're scaling, I just started, I mean, I'm still early, but mm-hmm. we are successful. I have 15 units under management right now Wow. and I am shopping currently for our next deal, which is, anywhere from 25 to 50 units and just building, building, building um, my investor portfolio, my asset portfolio, and and providing substantial returns um, on our deals for myself and for our investors. Um, and so when you say your investors, how does that model work? So the syndication model is fairly complicated and I'm still learning it. Uh, mm-hmm. to be quite honest. Yeah. My, my mother has been my partner for our first four or five deals um, with the idea that we can accelerate her retirement. Um, in the success that we've had and probably the years that we've shaved off her 
required work, you know, her required nine to five that, that we now have developed streams of income for her, for her to accelerate her retirement. Um, I thought about how can I, how can I do this for more people? And that's what the, um, the, the syndication really is. It's just a collective of investors that mm-hmm. come together in a partnership. I operate as the general partner and Keaton Capital operates as the general partner, in which case we manage all of the required uh, um, operations to acquire the property, manage the property, and then dispose of the property when, is, when the time is right. Yeah. And um, so in terms of like your, your work now as a DJ, um, just so people understand, um, you know, if you go out on the road and, and you're doing some big events, you can make pretty good money, right? I, um, it's kind of funny. My wife went to school with Cascade. Uh, oh, and, nice. Yeah, they were actually family friends too. Uh, they of course, you know, uh, long after, I think after the first year of college or whatever, they kind of, you know, lost touch or whatever. But yeah. Ryan Radden. Mm. Uh, so that dude makes some money. <laughs> yeah. He does. He does pretty well for himself. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of money in the DJ world right now. There's, there's not as big of a market for sh- for exclusively DJs. Like I'm a DJ, mm-hmm. I'm not a producer. Cascade mm-hmm. is a producer. Yeah. The bigger names that you probably know that your average person knows are producers. And mm. they've achieved this level of celebrity by making good music and then yeah. um, being placed at the forefront of the performance of that music. And, and uh, most of them started as DJs. Right. Uh, and, you know, w- through the technology and whatever else, they're all, they're, they're producers now, they have record deals and they're famous that way and they get big, big money. They have huge followings and people sh- show up to hear them DJ. I've uh, dabbled my toe in the, in the production world. I've mm-hmm. never been quite as successful as I wanted to be in that world. Yeah. Um, so I get paid on a little bit of a different scale than Cascade. Mm-hmm. But um, there is there is a, a good monetary upside in traveling and tons of additional benefits like, you know, just seeing the world and being on stage and being on TV and being in magazines and all of that stuff. Um, so I look at that success as not just necessarily the monetary success, but, you know, the legacy that I can leave behind as well. So obviously the question that I absolutely have to ask is what has DJing taught you about success in business or what lessons have you learned that have really helped you now uh, in real estate? And you could see, you know, that there's some skills that you have that uh, as a performing artist Mm -hmm. uh, that maybe a lot of other people don't have. You know, what's interesting I would I would lean less uh, from the actual performance aspect of it, yeah. but it's it's the conducting of the business aspect yeah. of it. So I always um, conducted my DJ business as a business, and Smart. the difference between you know the reason why I've had some success and why I've had some um, social exposure and and TV exposure and international exposure is because I operated it. At fundamentally as a business. And then the performance was just the tool that allowed me to continue to do the business. But the, the, the networking, the adaptability, the international business, the, the human relations, just, you know, uh, uh, having integrity 
showing up on time, you know, there's a, there's a, a, um, a large ego that I had to overcome for myself. And mm-hmm. as I started achieving a little bit of success yeah, and, and I had, you know, I got knocked back a few pegs here and there and, and overcoming that, um, taught me a lot in just staying humble and, and, you know, making sure that, I don't know how to really phrase that, but, you know, making sure that I'm operating with integrity and mm-hmm. with responsibility and with empathy and understanding that there's so many other moving parts involved in just me being on stage. That's so much more than me being on stage. And I think that learning those lessons um, is really helping me in any of the other businesses that I've been involved in and making sure that integrity first and foremost, and then, you know, the ability to change and adapt and twist as need be. So you mentioned something in in regards to ego that I think could actually be a pretty good lesson for a lot of people that listen to this podcast. You know, they're on their way. They're they're doing pretty good stuff in business. They got a good sized team going. Um, You know, they're gunning for seven, eight figures. uh, And you know, when you finally get to that point after you've really scrapped it out for a number of years or in some cases a decade or more, mm-hmm. right? You, you get to that point and you, it, it, it can be tempting to let your ego get in the way. And so I guess my question to you would be, what do you imagine the warning signs of an ego that is probably unhelpful. Like what warning signs would you look for to say, "Mm, I need to check myself right now? Okay. um, If I had to think about something, I would have to say post self-awareness and realizing the times that I did have, you know, my ego was overinflated. I've gotten to that point and checked myself, right? So I think that that's what the question you're asking is. Um, I think, and in 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 its easiest terms, when you expect someone else to do something for you, yeah, that's an that's an ego check. Like, you know, if I expect my assistant to bring me coffee, um, for me personally, I think that's an ego check. Like, who who are you? Why? That's right. not what they're here for. Yeah. You know, when you start expecting things of other people that that you think that they're there, they are there to serve you in some capacity. Right. I think that's a great benchmark for an ego check. Yeah. Uh, you know, John Mulaney is a comedian. He's got three stand-ups on Netflix. They're just hilarious. I know him. He's hilarious. And, and he, and, you know, he, he shares some stories about being on Saturday Night Live where he was a writer. And he says, uh, you know, he asks a question. He goes, uh, so are celebrities weird? Yes, uh, but maybe not. I mean, if you are like Mick Jagger, you know, where, mm-hmm. you know, for 40, 50 years now, he's, he's had everything he could, you know, all he has to do is snap his fingers and get anything he wants, right? Most mm-hmm. of us, you know, John Mulaney will talk about like, you know, it's like, if I want a Pepsi, I'll go, oh, oh, I, I'm sorry, could, could I bother you for a Pepsi? You know, mm-hmm. right? And whereas like Mick Jagger, oh, Pepsi, now. <laughs> right? 
<laughs> if he even needs to. I mean, possibly three snaps just means Pepsi. And he doesn't yeah, right, have right, to say exactly, it, right? <laughs> exactly. Now, um, you know, we're being silly. And I think a lot of us think that, that we're immune from that. But listen, I think that this is a good leadership lesson. Um, and I think that the, you know, where... I like to get to, and I'm not perfect at this, but I think the type of leader that I prefer to be is the servant leader, right? Mm-hmm. Where uh, I, yes, this is my particular position. Like I have to do the CEO stuff, but you know, I have an obligation to take care of my people. I want to help, you know, I've got my dreams that I want to make true. I've got my customers' dreams. I want to make their dreams come true, mm-hmm. but I also want to make my uh, team members' dreams come true. So I need to know what it is that they want and what can I do to help them get that. You know, and 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 I think that you know if I keep in all my interactions with them, how can I create those win wins where uh, I can truly care for them in, in a mm-hmm. great CEO kind of way. And that's wonderful. Uh, I think that's Josh, my thoughts on that. It's almost like you were listening in before we started recording because I had two interns, my semester interns start this morning. Wow. And I led the conversation with the interns with, tell me how, what your goals are for the semester. Yeah. Tell me what you're hoping to achieve out of this internship. And I want to give you an open door to, should we deviate from that in any way that you see, um, yes, you're an intern, you're going to have to do grunt work and, and yeah. stuff, right? It's not glorious. But if, if in any way we're moving too far, deviating from what's going to um, benefit you and your goals for your semester, for your future, open door, tell me, let's, let's realign and let's make sure that, you know, although you are an intern, I'm here serving your purposes. Mm. And that's what's going to help us all be successful in the future. So it's so funny that you said those exact words. I mean, literally, this was an hour or so ago that I had that conversation with them. (laughs) So um, then, you know, as far as uh, now, are you in terms of DJing, are, are you still actively DJing now? I am. So I've stayed local. As I mentioned, I, I peeled back a little bit. Um, I had two kids over the last two years, which Congrats. sort of sparked my, thank you, my 2017 retirement. 2016, I was loaded. I was traveling overseas. Uh, I found out that we were pregnant with my first son while I was at JFK airport on the way to Switzerland. Oh. Um, I was traveling for, you know, two to three weeks at a clip overseas doing gigs. And we... It, it was terrible because I, w- I was already pre-booked, as you know, you know, with scheduling. And I'm, you know, my son was six weeks old and I was gone for another two weeks. And my yeah. son was four months old and I was gone for another two weeks. Wow. So it comes the end of 2016, first month of 2017. I have a four-week um, tour, one week in Central America and three weeks in Europe. So I decided, okay, I'm going to bring Melissa, who was not my wife at the time, is now, um, I'll, I'm going to bring Melissa and Brian and let's, let's see how this goes. So I brought them with me for a month on the road and it was upon my last gig, which actually ended up in Switzerland. Um, coincidentally, and I decided, well, I don't really like being away from them, but I certainly can't travel with them. Mm. So I think it's time for me to hang this up. And that's when I retired in 2017. When I agreed to come back to DJing again in late 2018, um, it was with the condition that I don't travel all that much. So ideally I've been staying local. I can put my kids to bed, go out and work and come back 
and be there in the morning for breakfast. Um, that said, the end of this month, I will be back in Switzerland for three gigs um, with just by myself. Yeah. Uh, last month, I went to Germany for a couple of gigs just by myself. So mm-hmm. we're, we're sort of feeling out um, what it's like to be away, uh, but for not as an extended period of time. Yeah. And okay. so far, so good. Can I ask, and, and you can demure in any way you like, okay. um, but a DJ at around your level, like mm-hmm. what, what, what does a DJ at around your level, and again, be as vague as you want, okay. uh, but what do they earn? Uh, let's go to high hundreds to low thousands, uh-huh. um, pretty much in, the, in that world. Cool. So yeah. when you do an international gig, and then they're mm-hmm. of course travel, mm-hmm. yeah, obviously flying you out and and that sort of thing as well. Yeah. So it's different. Uh, before, let's go rewind back to that 2008 era when I came back into DJing mm-hmm. from yeah. the you know when I discovered technology, I was getting paid fifteen hundred dollars a night on a Tuesday. Wow. In, in New York, like I mean, we were crushing it. Yeah. Um, technology as much as it's helped us, it's also hurt us right. because, you know, the barrier of entry for a DJ is let's just say somebody with uh with an iPad and, an, and, a, yeah. and, and you know, I DJ pro, which an I actually DJ have pro. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> you were going to say it. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't remember what it was. So. It, it, yeah, that's it. So I, yeah, so I can, so it's amazing what I can create with just an iPad and that controller. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this would have been so much more challenge. I remember, you know, and you'd practice these transitions over and over and over again for your live set mm-hmm. so that you could get it just right. And it takes a lot of work. It's like, you know, it's like hiring a musician, uh, yeah. you know, DJing to, you know, to do it right with the older technology, you know, turntables. I mean, it's, you know, that's what you're paying for is you're paying well, for the just... countless hours of, you know, knowing that art and that, you know, just that right touch and that sort of thing. Um, and song selection. I mean, I used to spend yeah. uh, hours every Tuesday, Got you know, when the records music, came out yep. at the record store, just listening and listening and listening. And you didn't have the option of having 50,000 songs on your hard drive. You, you mm-hmm. know, rewinding a little further back to the vinyl days, yeah. you could only play what you can carry. Mm-hmm. And, and that stuff was heavy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, with, uh, with, the, with the technology now, it's, it's interesting because it's decreased the barrier of entry to a point where it's near minimal uh-huh. and you have to compete with that as a professional. So I have to find a way to, to prove to a buyer that, you know, I have been doing this for so long, that I do have this type of experience, that I do have the ability to manipulate the crowd in a way that, that we desire them to mm-hmm. be manipulated through the night and not in a bad way. You know what I mean? By keeping right. the energy up and that sort of thing and curating the music um, as the promoter or, or talent booker sees fit. But I'm competing against people who are super high tech savvy and have massive um, you know, social influence and that sort of thing who might not necessarily have the skill set. You couldn't do that as a brain surgeon. Yeah. You can't you can't do that as a, as a lawyer. Um, there are certain credentials and certain levels of, of testing and, and whatever that you have to go through. As a DJ, the barrier is zero. So it's tough. And I say that because the, there's the $1,500 a night Tuesday doesn't exist anymore. Mm. Because now we're competing with 85 guys and gals who are right down the block who have access to the same technology as right. you, who can also show up. They have the same library as you. They have the same remixes right. as you. And 
the real challenge now is in differentiating yourself. Yeah. And they're, they're likely not spending time in the music store, right? They're just, right. they got that Spotify <laughs> subscription. They're good. <laughs> exactly. What are the 10 best songs out right now? And then that's yeah. what they play. Right. Awesome. Well, Brian Orr, uh, this has been really, really cool. You can go to Brian's website. It's the twist mm-hmm. And, uh, Brian, you're also a podcaster. You've got a podcast called The Twist Life. Uh, you, again, you can kind of look into uh, Brian's work with Keaton Capital. There's uh, information there. Uh, looks like you've got some great stories, uh, you know, on stage, that sort of thing. Again, this is all at thetwistlife.com. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Josh. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks for listening to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence each month. We scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans, totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Mm-hmm.